We talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. This is episode 37, Doctrine and Covenants 106 through 108, to have the heavens opened. We're studying it September 20th through the 26th. I'm grateful I'm back. <laughs> I know I was back last week, but this week felt a lot more normal, <laughs> and it felt good to sit and study and prepare for my podcast again, so I'm excited to be here. All right, the first section, we're just going to jump in a little bit here. The first section is, I am blessed because of the priesthood. Now, we've done several priesthood episodes so far. This one is no different in that I love how much it really emphasizes the blessing the priesthood is to everyone. Um, I feel like so often we talk about the priesthood as it pertains to men. And like when I was growing up, I remember so many of our priesthood lessons had to do with, um, I don't know, we just always talked about the men, I don't. It, it felt like that lesson didn't pertain to me so much, right? Even in young women's, we would talk about the blessings of the priesthood, but um, it still sometimes felt like those those lessons didn't mean as much to me. And I really like the emphasis we've been putting on the importance of the priesthood in everyone's lives, and I'm grateful for that right now. So. In the manual, it says, All of Heavenly Father's children can receive the blessings that come from the priesthood. Consider ways you can help the children you teach feel gratitude for those blessings. So I've been thinking about that. How do I help my kids be grateful for the priesthood? My boys ask me like all the time, like, when are we going to get the priesthood? And I'm like, let's focus more on, like, when are you going to get baptized and the blessings that will come into your life. When you get the Holy Ghost and when we partake of the sacrament and focusing on the blessings that they're about to receive rather than when they get to hold the priesthood. Um, so that's something I've been trying to focus on more with my kids and talking to them about um, the blessings that will come to them because they get to participate in priesthood ordinances. This is um, in the Individuals and Families Manual. It's a quote from Elder Neil L. Anderson. It says, The priesthood is the power and authority of God given for the salvation and blessing of all, men, women, and children. As we are worthy, the ordinances of the priesthood enrich our lives on earth and prepare us for the magnificent promises of the world ahead. And that is from a talk called Power in the Priesthood from November, well, October 2013. There are so many talks in this lesson. If you want stuff to study this week, there are just oodles. So um, that's one of the talks mentioned. There's so many, and I'm not even going to like point out all of them because there's a lot. Um, so you can get into the either the primary manual or the individuals and families manual. And there's like, especially if you're on a device... There's links. You just click the link and go straight to the talk and you can listen to it right there and it's great. Um, sometimes I like to listen to, well, I like to listen to talks year round, but especially right before conference, it kind of gets me in the mood. <laughs> 
So, here we go. Alright, so an activity to start teaching your kids about the priesthood. It says, draw on the board a picture to represent the heavens being opened unto us. So, in the manual, there's a picture of, like, clouds and sunlight streaming through the clouds. So, it suggests you draw something like that on the board. I'm like, why can't you just hang up that picture? I mean, like, you'd have to, like, cut it out. But I'm sure you could find a picture like that if you don't want to draw one. But I really like that imagery of kind of the light breaking through the clouds and the heavens being opened. So, give children pictures representing blessings that come from the priesthood, such as baptism, the sacrament, and the temple. I'm sure there's tons more, but those are the examples they gave. Invite them to share why they are thankful for the blessing in their picture and let them put their picture in the light rays on the board. I really liked that this uh, visual representation of the blessings that we get from the priesthood because we're focusing on our blessings and the gifts that the Lord has given us through the priesthood rather than um, the priesthood. And it's not abstract for these kids because they're holding a picture. And as you talk about that picture and why they should be grateful for it, and hopefully you don't have to put the words in their mouth, maybe they have a testimony themselves, depending on the age of the child, they can hang it on the board and put it right there. The heavens are opened to us because of baptism. And baptism is a gift from Heavenly Father that we get to receive through the priest, through his power on earth. Um, I love that. Focusing on the blessings and the ordinances. Um, so bear your testimony to the children that we can have these blessings because Heavenly Father restored the priesthood. Another activity, which is also another really visual and active one, says make a path on the floor. Give the children pictures of priesthood ordinances they will need so they can follow the path back to Heavenly Father. And first, what you can do is have the children put the ordinances in order that they will receive. So I listed them for your benefit. So baptism, gift of the Holy Ghost, Sacrament isn't necessarily an essential ordinance, but it is a tool that we can use to repent, to come and return to Heavenly Father. The men must receive the priesthood. The women and men will get the temple initiatory and temple endowment, and then sealing. Sealing to spouse, to parents, and children. And those are the things and the ordinances that we get to partake of here on earth, that will lead us back to our Heavenly Father. Alright, another thing you can do is show a picture of Adam and Eve with their family. There's a page in the Gospel Art book that shows like Adam like teaching his children. Um, there's a few other pictures out there that you could find of Adam with his family. So have the kids look at their pic- that picture and ask them how Adam and Eve feel about their family. How do you think they feel? And the answer is probably like, they love them, and they like spending time with them, and they want to teach them about Heavenly Father, right? So use Doctrine and Covenants 107, verses 53 through 56 to share with the children what Adam did to show that he loved his family. So you ready for this? I'm going to read. Three years previous to the death of Adam, he called Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalel, Jared, Edic, and Methuselah, who were all high priests with the residue of his posterity, who were righteous, into the valley of Adamondiamon, and there bestowed upon them his last blessing. 
And the Lord appeared unto them, and they rose up and blessed Adam, and called him Michael the prince, the the archangel. And the Lord administered comfort unto Adam, and said unto him, I have set thee to be at the head. A multitude of nations shall come of thee, and thou art a prince over them forever. And Adam stood up in the midst of the congregation, and notwithstanding he was bowed down with age, being full of the Holy Ghost, predicted whatsoever should befall his posterity unto the latest generation. So, what the question that it wants us to know is, um, how does it show that Adam, sorry, how, uh, what did Adam do that showed that he loved his family? Um, so he blessed them before he died. He gave them all of them a blessing and he prophesied. Both of those things, I think, show his love for them. Bear your testimony about how the priesthood has been a blessing to you and your family. So my first thought with that was temples. I'm so grateful for temples, partly because, I mean, so many reasons, right? But the most important one being that my family is still together in the temple. I'm also grateful for temples because it is a way for me to learn and um, be a better person. Try to do better every day. And the temple definitely teaches us and gives us hope that we can do that. Um, I'm grateful for the ordinances that we get through the priesthood. That's been a blessing to my family because of we're able to repent and we can partake of the sacrament, all of those things. Um, I'm grateful for the Father's blessings that I've received through the years and that my family's now receiving. Those have always been a blessing. Uh, blessings of healing. And I'm grateful for priesthood leaders who guide us and direct us and give us. There's so many times in my life that my family's been blessed because we followed the counsel of a prophet. And I'm grateful that we have them and that their priesthood guidance is here and that we get to partake of their, um, the keys that they hold. They can bless us and our families. All right. Another thing that kind of connects with this is it says to name the family members that Adam ordained to the priesthood. So it talks about that in verses 42 through 50. And so I listed them for you. So he ordained Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalel, Jared, Enoch, and Methuselah. That's seven. So why would Adam want to all of his family members to have the priesthood? Well, I know it's because he wants his family to be blessed and to return to Heavenly Father. That's important. We can't obtain the ordinances that are required without the priesthood. Invite the children to talk about times when they or their families have received priesthood have received blessings through the priesthood. Um, that kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier about um, the, the list that I made. The next section is called, The Priesthood Will Help Me Return to Heavenly Father. So the manual says, The Melchizedek and Aaronic priesthoods were restored to help bring God's children back to Him. Help the children you teach Understand what the different priesthood duties are and how they help us return to God. So, when I first was reading this, I was like, oh, the boring section, right? That, like, 
talks about all the duties and all the keys or whatever, right? But it was very interesting to me as I was reading through this. So this is more for older kids section, but you can make any of these activities work for older or younger kids. So just so you have an idea of, or maybe be thinking about how you can apply these lessons to your family or your primary class. It says, invite the children to search Doctrine and Covenants 107, verses 1 through 8, 13 through 14, and 18 through 20 for important words and phrases that teach them about the priesthood. I'm not going to um, read all of those verses, but I found some important words and phrases that I wanted to share that stood out to me. So it was called, so the Melchizedek priesthood was called the Holy Priesthood after the order of the Son of God before it was called the Melchizedek Priesthood. Isn't that a beautiful, like, I liked that holy priesthood after the order of the Son of God. I think it's important to remember who this who this is and what it represents for us. Um, but they changed it because they didn't want to have to say Son of God all the time because it would become ordinary. And I liked the respect that came from that. Um, another thing we learned is that all authorities or offices in the church are appendages to the priesthood. We've learned a little bit about that, but even Relief Society and primary and primary teachers, like everyone gets their calling through the priesthood. And so we are all appendages to the priesthood because we are working under the direction of a priesthood leader. The Aaronic Priesthood, um, I like it says, why is it called the Lesser Priesthood? Is because it's an appendage to the Greater or the Melchizedek Priesthood and has power in administering outward ordinances. So I like that it, again, it's an appendage. The Aaronic Priesthood only works when it's under the direction of Melchizedek Priesthood. We can't. You can't baptize or uh, administer the sacrament without the the proper authority for that. Uh, the power and authority of the higher or Melchizedek priesthood is to hold the keys of all the spiritual blessings of the church. That was a beautiful phrase that I liked. Receiving the mysteries of the kingdom to have the heavens open unto them. Power and authority of the lesser Aaronic priesthood is to hold the keys of the ministering of angels and to administer in outward ordinances. The letter of the gospel, the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, agreeable to the covenants and commandments. So what responsibilities do priesthood holders have? Um, so I wrote down a few things. They hold the keys to our spiritual blessings. They can learn the mysteries of the heaven and they're responsible to teach them to us. They, especially the ironic priesthood, need to minister um, that's a big responsibility that falls on them. And because we're appendages unto it, we get to help and minister with them. Outward ordinances um, are baptism and sacrament. So um, that's something that the Aaronic Priesthood um, gets to officiate with. So how does the priesthood help us return to God? First, we have to receive our ordinances to return to our Heavenly Father. And it's also important for us to learn about our Heavenly Father and learn the things we can do in our life to 
uh, improve and get better. There's also times in our life that we will need to turn to our bishop and um, rely on him to repent. There are certain sins that we need to work with the bishop with and work through those things. And I'm grateful that we have the priesthood, that we have the keys of um, those leaders that can help us improve our lives and do better and repent and do our best to be better every day. All right. Um, another thing we can do for this activity or an activity for this section is write questions that could be answered by reading those verses that I read earlier. Um, so I came up with some questions. One of them was suggested in the manual, which is what is another name for the Melchizedek priesthood? But I thought of which priesthood holds the keys of the ministering of angels? Who can baptize? Who has the keys to have the heavens opened unto them? Why is the Aaronic priesthood called the lesser priesthood? Anyway, just a few ideas to kind of get the juices flowing if you wanted to think of questions that could be answered in those verses. And then it gives the kids the responsibility to go and find the answer and teach themselves. So give the children time to find the answers, and hopefully they can find answers to as many questions as they can. It's harder when classes are smaller. That's um, something you can do as a family. You can um, do things like this for family home evening or even just like your gospel study throughout the week and give everyone the opportunity to go and look and, and find. Hopefully you guys... I don't know if you can hear, but there's fireworks going off outside my window right now. I think the high school next to our neighborhood has their homecoming tonight or something because there's a lot of fireworks. All right. Read with the children about Melchizedek in the Bible Dictionary or Guide to the Scriptures. Now, this is extremely interesting to me because I, I know some things about Melchizedek, but I don't know if I've studied him quite the way that this is inviting us to do so. And... It would be interesting to study with the kids because I don't think I even knew that Melchizedek was a person until he was like a teenager. So so Melchizedek in the Bible dictionary says king of righteousness. That's what his name meant. A notable prophet and a leader who lived about 2000 BC. He's called the king of Salem or Jerusalem, the king of peace and the priest of the most high God. And then in Guide to the Scriptures, it says, A great Old Testament high priest, prophet, and leader who lived after the flood and during the time of Abraham. He was called the King of Salem, or Jerusalem, the King of Peace, King of Righteousness, and Priest of the Most High God. And then it lists a bunch of scriptures that talk about him. And I read through those and learned so much. Um, there's not a ton about his life. But the things that I learned about him, I was just amazed because there was none like him. So, what can we learn about him? Or what can we learn from his life about what it means to exercise priest authority? So, he was righteous, like so righteous, and had so much faith. The people that he was a priest over were wicked. And he had a lot of faith that he could help them. And so he preached and prophesied and worked with them and they repented and they became righteous and they obtained heaven like the people of Enoch. 
Now that is amazing to me that this priesthood leader was able to um, work with these people and help them repent and um, bring them to heaven. It's a pretty amazing thing. So he, um, in his priesthood authority, he blessed people. And he had so much faith that the blessings and the things that he did through the priesthood came true. Like he, um, he worked lots of miracles as well. So he is, he's definitely um, someone to admire and to look up to. All right, the next section is the Lord's chosen servants lead his church. So this is a good time to do some um, general conference prep. So we can show pictures of the general authorities and officers from like an enzyme or um, something you show some of their pictures. You can buy uh, a set of the 12 apostles at the distribution center. I have a set that has all 12, or well, 15, because it has the first presidency as well. And we'd put those up. When we do conference, we like set them all up on, we have a little half wall in our family room. Um, and so we set those all up on there. And then as they talk, we take their pictures down and um, the kids get to earn a, a treat if they, they find the person who's talking. Um, so that's kind of a fun activity. So um, just, I don't know, yeah, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, I guess. Okay, so show the kids pictures of the general authorities. And then you're going to read 107 verses 21 through 26, 33 through 35, and 65 through 66. And you're going to write down or think of responsibilities that the leaders have. So, again, I'm not going to read all the verses, but I'm going to share some of the things that I learned. They are special witnesses of Jesus Christ. Another name for them is traveling counselors, which I guess I hadn't really thought about it that much, but they their job is to travel. And we're going to get to it, but they're, they're also supposed to spread the gospel. Um, it says, upheld by the confidence, faith, and prayer of the church. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. Equal in authority and power to the three presidents previously mentioned, which is the first presidency. They officiate in the name of the Lord. They build up the church and regulate all the affairs of the same in all nations. Holding the keys to open the door by the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's why when it's time to go on a mission, missionaries get their call from the Quorum of the Twelve because they hold the keys to open the door by the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is part of their job, is to spread the gospel and to travel and to um, officiate in the name of the Lord to build up the church and regulate all the affairs in all the nations. I think it's interesting because when they received this revelation, the people that were members of the church were like all in the United States. There may have been a couple people interested in Canada and possibly Great Britain, but I can't remember for sure if they had gone that far yet. So all the nations to them was like, I mean, there's like three three of them. But 
they did have to travel quite a bit to officiate and help in those areas, which is part of why the gathering took place and everyone was asked to come and be together because it was too hard for them to have a worldwide church at the time. But we have technology and so many blessings now where they can travel easily and we can spread the gospel and they can give direction and guidance to everyone instantaneously. And so it's such a blessing that we live in the day and age that we do. So why are we grateful for their guidance? Well, I was, I'm grateful because they work really hard to share the gospel and to take the gospel to the world. They have to travel a lot. They give so much of their time and their energy. I'm also amazed with our general authorities because they live their lives so righteously so that they can always be worthy of the Spirit and to have the heavens open to them so that they can learn of the mysteries of God and teach them to us. I know uh, learning about President Nelson, like he is so strict with himself and makes sure that he is like always filling the Spirit and doing things that bring the Spirit into his life so that he can be the prophet and he can receive revelation for the church. That just always amazes me how much these men work hard and how much they do for us. Um, It's a huge blessing that we are able to be blessed by them and be led by them. And we get to hear from them very soon. And I'm so excited. General Conference is always my favorite time of year. I love it so much. All right. So share with each other how you gained a testimony of prophets and apostles. I... When I first read that, I was like, I don't know. But then the thought came to me. I've had many experiences of feeling the Spirit and um, taking their their counsel and acting upon it and receiving blessings, which has strengthened my testimony. But I remember soon after President Monson was made prophet um, and president of the church, I went to a Easter concert at the Tabernacle, and he came. He was there, and he walked in, and just the feeling in the Tabernacle, everyone stood, and everyone, I mean, there were tears in everyone's eyes, because the prophet was there, and the spirit was so strong. And it was a testimony to me that he was the prophet. Because at the time, I was still mourning the loss of President Hinckley and and missing his guidance in my life. But then I saw President Monson and I knew that the Lord still had a living prophet on the earth. It was such a blessing in my life to have that testimony and to just be present for that. I was so grateful because no one knew he was coming to that concert. And it was just a big deal. It was such a blessing in my life to be there for that. Alright. So, in the friend, it suggests that we sing We Thank Thee, O God, for a Prophet. Which is a great song. (laughs) Um, You could also teach the kids that all the apostles, prophets, and leaders that we're talking about in these scriptures 
we get to hear from a general conference and get them excited about that. And then it suggests that um, when you do listen to general conference, you can use some of the activity pages um, in the friend to help. It's like a bingo page and a coloring page um, to help the kids stay focused on what they're learning. Those are pages 24 and 25 in case you want to look those up. All right, so going back, you remember when I said we'd come back to a section? So it said that they are upheld by the confidence, faith, and prayer of the church. So it says to write those three words on the board, confidence, faith, and prayer. So how do we uphold the first presidency um, of the church with confidence, faith, and prayer? And why is it important to sustain the Lord's chosen servants? I really liked those words because there's so much power. Do we have confidence in our leaders? Do we have faith that they are the Lord's servants and that what they're telling us is true? Do we act upon what they say? Do we pray for them? Do we pray that our hearts will be open to what they're teaching us? I love the idea of really focusing on our part instead of letting them do their thing. We need to do our part to help sustain them and help them by giving them our confidence and faith and prayer. Our next section is carefully living my covenants brings blessings. So this is a specific this is verse or er, section 108 and it was given to Lyman Sherman. So, the manual says, Ponder how you can help the children you teach. Be more careful in observing their vows or covenants. How will doing this bless them now and in the future? So, this is from Lyman Sherman. The Lord says, And arise up and be more careful henceforth in observing your vows which you have made and do make, and you shall be blessed with exceeding great blessings. So to kind of set this up for the kids, you can have them do something that requires careful attention, like trying to fill a cup of water without letting it spill over, like filling it all the way to the top but not letting any come out. Um, then talk about what would happen if we're not careful. It spills, right? It doesn't go well. <laughs> so list with the children promises that they make with Heavenly Father when they're baptized. So this is talking about our vows, um, the vows that we make to Heavenly Father. So when we're baptized and when we partake of the sacrament, we promise to take Jesus' name upon us, keep the commandments, always remember him, and also take care of our fellow men. So, you know, like the mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. So how can we be careful about observing these promises? I was thinking about... You know, the phrase, what would Jesus do? That's really important for us to think about because we have his name upon us and we need to act in his name. So what would he do? And really thinking through the circumstances in front of us, each situation. When I'm faced with a trial at school or I'm faced with, a, faced with some dilemma with my friends, what would Jesus do? How would he act in this situation? We have his name upon us and we need to act the way he would act. That could be something we do carefully. 
How do we keep our commandments? Is there things we can do more precisely, more carefully in keeping the commandments? How do we always remember Jesus Christ? Can we do that more carefully and be more intentional with remembering him? We can sing a song with the kids about keeping our covenants, such as, I will be valiant. And if you uh, find a phrase in there uh, that you feel like really speaks to you or the kids, have like make a bookmark or a little sign they could take home that they could color or whatever that they can take with them to help them remember to keep their covenants and to be intentional about it. Um, there's another thing that I think would be good for a little bit older kids. It says, give the kid, the children portions of Sister Becky Craven's talk, careful versus, versus casual, from April of 2019. Ask them to share something that inspires them to be more careful about living their covenants. I didn't take the time to pull excerpts from that because it's a lot. I feel like we're already covering a lot of stuff, but it's a really, really good talk. And it helped me think about ways that I can be more careful and um, conscious about how I'm living the gospel. Alright, our last section is, I can strengthen others. So, again, drawing on the board. If you feel good with your art skills, this is the lesson for you, because it keeps talking about drawing on the board. Draw a person on the board and ask the children to name some things the person could do to become physically stronger. So as they talk about it, you can draw bigger muscles on the person. Like, you know, they talk about eating healthy and exercising and whatnot. So then it says to read Doctrine and Covenants 108 verse 7 and ask the children to listen for ways we can strengthen our brethren and sisters. Explain any words that might be difficult. So the verse is, Therefore, strengthen your brethren in all your conversation, in all your prayers, in all your exhortations, and in all your doings. So if you want to go through this verse and kind of break it down with the kids. We're going to strengthen the people around us in all our conversation, which is all the things we say and talk about. In all of our prayers and in all of our exhortations, which is like urging someone to do something. So we're going to strengthen them by... In when we are encouraging, right? It's encouraging and not demeaning. And in all your doings. So all the things you do should be strengthening people around you. I remember having a conversation with my special needs brother about build, being a builder. This was around the time that um, the Lego movie came out. <laughs> and we talked about being a builder and not someone that tears people down. And... And so then he got into the, like being a master builder. And we talked about that. A master builder sees opportunities to build something. He sees the pieces that are needed to build. If you see a person that is struggling and you know something that can help them, that is a gift. And I admire it. And you are a master builder. And we talked a lot about that and how we, we talk kindly to other people. And we try to encourage them and, and give them our support, especially when it comes to their testimony and their the gospel and, and things we can do to help strengthen them. So, an activity, it says, for class or 
family. Help the children think of people they know who may need strengthening. So this could be friends who don't come to church often, friends or family who are sick, or someone you know who's going through a hard trial. It could even just be someone who just needs a little extra love. <laughs> um, so what can we say to them or do for them? Um, I started thinking because it says to have the kids make cards for the people that can um, strengthen them. So I think the things, if you wanted to say things to them in the card, it's, you could tell them that you're praying for them. Tell them that Jesus loves them. You could quote words from a primary song or a scripture that could, if you feel like it would be beneficial to them. So it says, work together to make cards for these people and encourage the children to remember them in their personal and family prayers. And I think it would be a good time to take time as a class or as a family to pray right then and there for the people that you want to strengthen. Often we try to strengthen the people that are closest to us. And those are the people those are the people we are meant to strengthen. And I hope that we we recognize when our family needs us and when they need some strengthening and that we can find the things that will be good tools to build them up and help them. And that we can be unified and be strong together as families and as classes and as wards and as communities and as a church that we can all be strong together and help each other and support each other. I hope you guys have a great week. General Conference is coming up really fast, so I'm really excited about that. And I hope that you're preparing and working on some fun things to make General Conference a special time for your family. Maybe think of the traditions if you don't already have some fun traditions as a family. Or think of games your kids can play as you're listening to conference or activities they could do that would help them focus or listen to a few talks. So have a fantastic week. I'll talk to you all next week.